It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock this evening. We do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397 is that telephone number. Pat Daniels is here, the leader of the News Gazette award-winning sports team. Scott Ritchie in the house to talk some basketball with us. Bob Osmussen here as well. Matthew, this be- sounds like it's becoming an every week event where I need to uh, <laughs> pat you guys a collective uh, pat on the back. Good, but good job with the latest awards for the newspaper and your department. Yeah, we uh, were fortunate enough to uh, get first place uh, sports section in the, the Illinois Press Association Awards, which were announced uh, this past Friday. So I guess it just ramps up the intensity on us to keep this streak going. No rest for the weary at all. And uh, yeah, it's a well-deserved honor and wouldn't be possible without the, the hard work of, of Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, Colin Likas, Lauren Tate, Joe Vizelli Jr., Robin Schultz, our photo editor, I feel like I'm giving an acceptance <laughs> award speech at the Oscars right now. Hopefully I don't leave out anyone, my wife, nor for letting me work the really odd hours that I do. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a nice little pat on the back and uh, we go back to it. I, I really try not to get too high or too low as I bust out all these cliches now uh, talking about our sports section. Do you take it one contest I take at it time? one contest, one very stressful contest at a time. The The worst part of those is getting all the entries ready. That's about a three or four day endeavor while you're still trying to put out the, the paper as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice and hopefully uh, there's no drop off in the future at all. How often do these competitions come up? Yeah, mainly in this past year was a little different obviously with, with COVID-19 and, and the pandemic the APSC contest the Associated Press Sports Editors contest which we kind of really kind of point as kind of the the creme de la creme uh those entries are usually doing second week of January this year is kind of pushed back a little bit just because of the pandemic but January is kind of a big month as far as just collecting all the the stories and sections and things like that to to submit them for these various contests that we we enter so Matt, Matt's going to Vegas are you going to Vegas I don't think so why not but, you uh, should it's uh, right in the smack dab of training camp probably start of Just high school go. start of we'll high school be sports fine. we're we'll still be fine. We're still in a pandemic uh haven't been on a plane in quite some time scott apparently wants to go i'm gonna volunteer to go <laughs> i was gonna say scott can go you can go you just I have to do his tribute <laughs> i represent all right katniss i i got the awards i mean i went and picked up the awards one time mm-hmm. i got to go to luxurious st louis hey st louis is a great it city. was awesome uh, Scott's becoming a savvy radio guy because he looked at me to make sure that his <laughs> mic was on, and it wasn't. So we got that ready for him to, yeah, to make that just, comment. I, I don't with with three small kids at home. I don't know if I could honestly look I, my I wife will in the face and say, babysit. "Bite the bullet and go in your space." All right. You luckily in 2021, we've all adapted to everything virtual, so you'll still have to write copious amounts of copy if you're still oh. in if you're in Sin City at all in, in August. So last week's Lauren Tate special 32 page mm-hmm. extravaganza 
when does that become eligible for? Uh, That'll be eligible for all the contests uh, for for next uh, the twenty twenty one batch of contests. You. So that is uh, that's everything. Everything that happened yeah. or everything that, or the twenty twenty two contest. It's just everything that happens in twenty twenty one is eligible for contests uh, next season at all. Next year at all. And if you're interested in getting one of those <laughs> editions of the Lawrence H special, you can do it. And you don't live in the na- in the uh, area. Here's how you can do it. Call Bob Sacconi. He's in the uh, circulation department, 217-351-5334, 217-351-5334, for the Lawrence Aid Special Edition of the News Gazette, $3 plus shipping and handling. It's a pretty good and deal. And a bargain at that. Yeah, no, it is, and, and thank you for putting Bob's phone number out there, because I, I got about eight or ten people wondering last weekend how to pick up a copy, and I sent them all to Bob Sacconi, because he, he handles that. Yeah, we did that Saturday, and he said uh, over the weekend they had in the teens, I think, of uh, callers and Good. voicemails. Good. So if Bob doesn't pick up, leave him a message, and he'll tell you how to go about getting that uh, much-anticipated and much-wanted Lauren Tate special edition of the News Gazette. Okay, Mr. Ritchie, let's talk assistant basketball coaches that we know one has been hired. <laughs> That's all we know. There's a lot of rumors about the second. Um, a lot of people that uh, that I talk to think that it might be done this week. And hopefully, uh, if that's the case, then they would have their staff in order and time to uh, get out back on the road when they can do that. Yeah, I mean, sort of June 1st is uh, it's not a hard deadline, per se, for Brett Underwood, but I'm sure he would like to have his staff figured out by then because the dead period will end for recruiting and you know, a little bit later in the month, you know, the coaches can get back out and actually see, you know, high school basketball players in person for the first time in uh, forever, essentially. Uh, then there's also you know, the opportunity for, you know, official and unofficial visits to campus. So, again, you'd like to have your whole staff you know, together to, to do that. And got closer to that at the end of last week with Chester Frazier being hired on the same day that Kentucky officially announced that Orlando Antigua and Chen Coleman were heading to Lexington. So Brett Underwood did a nice job there of quickly shifting the narrative within a couple of hours of Kentucky's announcement. You know, the word had started to get out that Chester Frazier was coming back to Champaign. Uh, But still leaves one spot open on the coaching staff for now. And there's, let's just say a non-zero chance that, Brett Underwood might be looking to fill you know, a third spot with Stephen Gentry sort of kind of being you know, rumored as a candidate at least for the open assistant job at Gonzaga after Tommy Lloyd left to become Arizona's coach. And you could just sort of backtrack all of these coaching carousel moves one after another. The, it continued to create openings you know, kind of late in the, the offseason as far as, you know, coaching moves go let's talk a little bit about the hiring of Chester Frazier I thought that was a pretty good move and and I would say that uh, if you're looking for a former I'm not saying Brad Underwood necessarily was he's looking for the best people he can find but of the former Illini that are in the coaching business I'd say Chester is further down the road at at a younger age than some of them, but uh, certainly in a pretty good position, Matt. Yeah, after thinking back on, on last week's show when we threw out some some names there and, and Roger Powell Jr. kind of came to the top, and then you know I mentioned D. Brown as well and, and kind of overlooked in that whole thing was Chester Frazier. And 
Uh, he just has kind of gone about his business, not necessarily flying too high or too low. I mean, Kansas State did make it to the Elite Eight in 2018 when he was on Bruce Weber's staff, and then he branched out and uh, had a successful two seasons at Virginia Tech. And it's a move for him that I think as he continues that path towards trying to become a head coach someday because I think any good assistant coach out there wants to be a head coach of their own uh, program at some point. It seemed to make sense to kind of move back into uh, the Big Ten, and I know obviously the Big Ten had its struggles in the NCAA tournament, but it still was one of the most competitive conferences in college basketball and is each and every year. Uh, so a chance to get back to his alma mater. His wife went to school here at the U of I. chance to continue to build uh, the program. Like Brad Underwood said last Thursday in his statement that, uh, you know, Chester Frazier's got sweat equity in, involved in the program, so that kind of just adds a little bit more more to it for him. So I think it's a solid hire on, on all fronts right now. Bob, you got a chance to talk to Bruce Weber about uh, Chester Frazier last week. Yeah, he was great about it. He Obviously, they're very close. That's would be Chester's mentor, obviously. He was college coach. Worked for him for 70, 70 years of late, right, in yep. Kansas State. So mm-hmm. that's a it's a long relationship. And he is very happy. He wouldn't, didn't want to say he's happy for Illinois, but he's clearly rooting for Chester. And I think, uh, you know, he would – I think – he we didn't talk about Illinois his old time here. We just talked about Chester. And uh, I kind of told them that's what I'm going to talk to them about. But he was pretty adamant about how good he thinks Chester is as a coach, both on the court – as a recruiter and as a person. And I think, really, when you only have a three-person staff, that's pretty important. You can't have a knucklehead in there. That'll, that'll get old quickly. So, And I'm sure Brad Underwood is not going to hire somebody that's going to be a screwball. So I think – but Bruce Weber gave him his highest recommendation. And he's, um, but didn't talk to Coach Underwood, which I thought was He interesting. did not? He did not. No, he did not. I was, I was surprised by that. I would think, to, you know, Kansas State connection, you'd think mm-hmm. they'd call, reach out, but he didn't. But he said, Coach Weber said, his assumed Coach Underwood got a great report from everybody else. So didn't really, he did talk. Now they're going to play, potentially, right? Scott, mm-hmm. that's not known yet. Yeah, they're in the same, same event, right. but the, the schedule hasn't been set. So, right. Uh, sure, if they're I mean, smart. Yeah, be it's first the Hall of Fame Classic, the Thanksgiving week, Feast Week in right. Kansas City. Yeah, um, they should. Put them, first Put them together. Should. If they don't, Coach Weber's joked. He said, oh, hopefully play in the title game. He's not looking forward to it. He didn't like to play his ex-players and ex-coach. I'm not sure many coaches do. No, I don't think so. Arkansas and who else is in that? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, it's going to be Illinois, Kansas State, and Arkansas, Cincinnati if the ESPN executives have any sense. That makes a lot of sense. Why not? Which they will. Makes a lot of sense. So Chester Frazier is on board. There's been a lot of speculation on who the other might be. Jeff Alexander, who is on the staff now, is probably in a position to stay on the staff in some capacity. Wouldn't you agree, Scott? Well, he's not going anywhere. But um, given the... Maybe the full shakeup that you know could be coming down there. Would, I would not be surprised to see him, you know, be elevated from assistant to the head coach, which he's been the last four years, to an actual on-court recruiting assistant and a full assistant coach role. Um, you know, he played for Brad Underwood for two years at Western Illinois when Underwood was an assistant there. Then he was a grad assistant at Western. Um, was on Underwood staff at Daytona State, you know, the JUCOs, and then you know he coached at. Idaho State, um, Evansville, Eastern Illinois. Um, so he's got you know the experience, and Brad Underwood trusts him a lot. They've got a really 
strong relationship. So would not be, you know, you know that wouldn't come out of nowhere to see him you know, kind of get that promotion. Some other names reportedly in the mix. Cy Young, not that Cy Young. <laughs> Carlton. Carlton Young from uh, Florida State goes by Cy. Alan Huss, who has a little bit of a Central Illinois background, he's at Creighton now. So mm-hmm. they're one of your uh, Creighton yeah, guys. Might as well take all the coaches, too. <laughs> they got, they got no players or coaches now, but that's fine. Uh, Kamani Young out of UConn. Uh, there are reports that he was very involved at one time and may not be now. And Nick Irvin, <laughs> who is at uh, Western Illinois. I think that's more of a – Scott, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's more of a uh, – an administrative type possibility. Uh, the way I would see it is if Jeff Alexander was promoted to assistant, full assistant coach, then maybe you know, Nick Irvin would fill that that staff role. Um, and since he's I'm not sure how it would work, given you know, uh, his obvious ties to the Mac Irvin Fire, considering you know, his brother runs a program and he coached the Mac Irvin Fire. Uh, he might be far enough removed where Illinois wouldn't have to not recruit those players um, because he'd just be in a staff role and not as a full assistant. If that's in case what happens, uh, that's a weird rule. And I mean, but if that does happen, I mean, there's a pipeline of a lot of really talented players in the Chicago area that play for Mac Irvin Fire that you know, could wind up in Champaign, and you know, the Irvins are. You know, maybe get, wouldn't be getting a foothold in Champaign because Corey Irvin was hired on Nancy Faye's women's basketball staff, and you know, that's uh, Nick's sister-in-law. So it, it's a, it's an interesting move, but of course none of this has you know, actually happened yet. Right. And Alan Huss from Creighton's kind of a name that just popped up in the last few days, spent some time in Decatur. Yeah, he was on the staff at Decatur Eisenhower High School in, in the mid to late 2000s when uh, the Panthers, that's their nickname, right, Scott? Yep. They had a really, really had it rolling over there. Lewis Jackson, who eventually went on to play at Purdue, um, he was an assistant there. And then, kind of steadily rose uh, in the coaching ranks. Coached at La Lumiere. Coach, coach Jalen Coleman Lands, a former Illini at the prep school in, in Northwest Indiana. Uh, he'd been on staff at New Mexico, and then obviously been at Creighton. Now, former Creighton player uh, back in the day. So, but he's got ties to, to Central Illinois, and, and maybe that's kind of a direction brad underwood goes just based on his extensive background but um yeah we'll see and, and then who knows like you mentioned steve at the top with stephen gentry if uh you know gonzaga says come on back to spokane and he says okay then scott does the panic button hit peak levels or is it still i mean i don't know i mean like i think at this point Illinois fans have resigned themselves to their fate a little bit but i can't Honestly, think of another you know team that was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and then lost all three assistant coaches, and then I mean, you look at you know Antigua and Coleman. I mean, it was Kentucky. Like, we've talked about that before. Is like Antigua is obviously a coach Cal guy, and you know Chin Coleman. I don't know if like people like just forgot, but before Brad Underwood hired him, like he was just sort of slowly making his way up the. Coaching ranks. His last two stops before Illinois were Bradley and UIC. Um, you don't say no to right. Kentucky. And a lot of fans uh, on the message boards and in person, people that I run across, said, well, I wish I'd get some some people in there that I've heard of. And, that, and I said, well, how many assistant coaches have you heard of? <laughs> you hadn't uh, heard of Chin Coleman. No. But 
you know, very few people had at the time. Orlando Antigua, yeah, he had some success earlier at Kentucky. But you just don't know assistant coaches unless they're Roger Powell or mm-hmm. D. Brown or or uh, Mike Menega who have local ties. Well, I think I, I'd be hard-pressed to name half the assistant coaching staffs in the Big Ten right off right. the top of my head. You just don't – you can easily name the, the head coaches at all these schools, but – I couldn't tell you who the assistant coaches were at, at Rutgers or Penn State. Scott, don't even try to start naming them off the top of your head. Now. Well, I mean, I, I was even like, I can name maybe. I know Phil Mart. I know Phil Martelli is at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I can name one assistant probably at at every Big Ten program, and like Penn State, I couldn't because I'm not sure who Michael Shrewsbury has added to his staff at this point. But yeah, you just it's. A lot of, I mean, because like I think I think just the fact that it was Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman after helping build Illinois for four years and get the program back to where it was, they were the top two recruiters. Like fans are freaking out more about that. Um, fans freak out. <laughs> Do we know their salaries at Kentucky? Yes. Uh, that has not been reported. I would assume a lot. Antigua's because Illinois was willing to make him the highest paid assistant. In the country, right? I imagine Kentucky said, "Okay, we'll we'll do that as well." Okay, so that would put him at at least a million per okay. year. So that's what that's the number I want to see because I think Illinois fans once they see a million, you know, number for him, whatever Coleman makes, they're going to say, "Okay, okay, they can go." That's fine because you have to say that. Subway. I don't think they'll feel that way. I know, but at they least should. <laughs> for the, at least should. for the time being. Of I course, see, I mean, uh, once we get to. The end of this month, let's say, and the new staff is is hired. Then I think fans will be like, "Oh, okay, let's." Yeah, Chester Fraser is our guy, and you know, Coach X is is also our guy. I don't know. Five twenty eight Monday night sports talk with you until six. If you'd like to jump into this conversation or anything else that's on your mind, give us a call three five six nine three nine seven area code two one seven here on WDWS Champaign Urbana, and we're back with more after this. Coach House. It is 5.32, Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Steve Kelly with Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie, and you, if you want to join us, 217-356-9397 is the phone number directly into uh, our studio, so feel free to jump in. Before we get off the topic of Illinois basketball, Brad Underwood and Chester Frazier, at least, are continuing to work not only at... uh, uh, Coach Underwood trying to fill out his staff, but you still got to stay in contact with uh, the guys on the roster and the guys you hope to have on the roster and uh, do Zoom calls and make new offers. Give us the latest on some of those items, Scott. Well, I think you know the first thing he said it was maybe Brett Underwood's biggest job right now is just keeping in touch with you know all of the players on this current team. You know that they've all you know, gone home; it's kind of scattered, but just to. You know, make sure they understand you know, the program's still moving forward, and just because you know a couple assistants left, and there will be some new guys on staff, that things are that's still Illinois basketball. I mean, that's kind of a, a, a big thing for Brett Underwood right now. But in terms of uh, the ever-present transfer portal, Illinois you know, reportedly had a, a Zoom over the weekend with Quincy Garrier. Uh, he has left Syracuse, or will be leaving Syracuse um, after two seasons. Illinois recruited him out of high school, was a finalist along with Syracuse and Oregon. Where's he from? Uh, he is from Canada, so <laughs> yeah. that's why Illinois didn't get him the first right. time because <laughs> it's just have, they haven't had much luck with the Canadians. But maybe 
you know, round two with him will be different, but he averaged about 14 points, eight and a half rebounds, you know, last season at Syracuse, started all 28 games for the Orange as a sophomore, uh, 6'7", 220-pound forward. I would give them a little more depth in the front court, which they need, especially at the four. Um, but he could play some three you know, as well. He was kind of considered uh, at least a combo guard forward coming out of high school. But uh, just if he winds up in Champaign, just it'd be the, the player to be named later in the Alan Griffin trade. I tried that line out before the break, and I think it hit a little harder. Uh, the first time around. Um, well, it, it's, it was still good for people that haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, I just I wasted it though on you guys. <laughs> but um, looking ahead, I mean, recruiting slowed down a little bit when there was sort of an uncertainty of like who was actually going to be on staff because I don't know if you know Leno and Tiguench and Coleman was like, hey, don't go st- like offer a bunch of guys if you're not going to be here. But uh, Illinois did have a couple new offers in the 2022 class at the end of last week. Um, a familiar name, but there's no relation. Um, Nick Smith Jr. Uh, <laughs> is not a seven foot center that will frustrate Illinois fans to no end. He's in fact a four star guard out of Arkansas. Um, had a top ten in October uh, of you know, a lot of SEC programs. You know, a couple in the Big Twelve, but he's picked up some new offers since, and his recruitment I don't think is anywhere near closed. And then the other one was. Uh, a Texas center, uh, Cameron Corin, uh, three stars right now. Uh, but since March, the beginning of March, he's picked up nearly a dozen high major offers. So I think that's a, a guy that's going to kind of maybe shoot up the rankings here would be my guess just based on kind of the staffs that are interested. Is there any update on Trey Mitchell out of the transfer portal from UMass? I'm still in the portal right. as far as I know. I mean, that's, like and a lot of people felt that Illinois was in pretty good shape there. Yeah, and I mean they recruited him out of high school. I mean I think the thing there was like Orlando Antigua was the, the primary recruiter in that one. But I mean Illinois has minutes to offer him in the front court, particularly if Kofi Coburn doesn't come back. Even if he does, I mean that's Trey Mitchell's a guy that averaged you know I think 17 points as a freshman at UMass, and then it was up to 18 points you know last season as a sophomore. Uh, can stretch the floor at, at six nine, two forty five. I think. I mean, it's a big guy, but he's got a good three point touch. Um, I think a priority for Illinois certainly in the portal, but uh, I don't know. That there's been any like real movement in terms of him finding a, a new home. I think most of the attention right now is to not only keep up with what's going on there and with offers, but certainly the main thing on Brad Underwood's table is getting their staff solidified. Yeah, and I mean, I think could have you know, some finality, some clarity to that, you know, this week. But I mean, it'll, I guess it'll happen when it happens. But you know, I don't see it like dragging on. I mean, that would put Illinois in, you know, a less than ideal spot. It would make the beat writer a little grumpy too. Grumpier. <laughs> By the way, Chris Collins at Northwestern today hired Taylor Battle. Former Penn State star, I guess he's tried everything else to beat Illinois. <laughs> he figures <laughs> Taylor Battle has a pretty good idea how to do it. He was an Illini killer there for yeah, a while. Yeah, he was, Stephen, and we were talking off the air about that, and uh, we didn't even realize <laughs> that Taylor Battle was into right. into coaching at all. So I, I think all the 
consternation that might be out there at times uh, in terms of assistant coaching scuttlebutt or whatever just just relax it'll it'll be okay i know it's it's may the season's six months away a, a lot will change between now and then but i i feel pretty confident that by the time the Illini season tips off in in november that people aren't going to be as upset about the assistant coaches as as they have been this spring bob well, at least talk, that's my hope let's talk a little illinois football with uh june 1st coming uh before too long, a couple, two or three more weeks, and Brett Bielma is done now with uh, spring ball and wrap things up, kind of uh, gave us a state of the state uh, last week on that, but they're lo- really looking forward to the month of June to really get out there and, and have people come here. Yeah, they have one-day camps, yeah. a lot of them. I think he said they can have 10 days that, so I'm sure that'll be uh, very strategic, but uh, first of all, they moved every player, it looked like. Matt ran a list, like last week it was 10 guys. Position changes, change, yeah. yeah. So they moved everybody, got it all settled. So yeah, now the idea is go get some more guys. This will be really big for them because think about recruiting now as opposed to a year ago or before that. You couldn't really. You're going to be able to show them. Here's the Smith Center. Come see the Smith Center. You'll be there. You can play. Be there a year from now. That's a huge thing. I think Levy Smith really never got to t- take advantage of that because by the time the place was done. COVID was here, right? Pretty much right on top of it, right? Did yeah, I mean, year? he had seven months or so. Seven months. Before, so he used a little bit, but. Before the pandemic, but obviously. Full year were, They were in season in 2019 when it when it opened, and then the off That's season, right. they had a few months, but then obviously the world the world changed. So it's a good thing for him, and I know they've been doing virtual tours, which are easier, obviously. You don't have to go anywhere, get on a plane, but I think having players here is a much better, better deal. So yeah, June 1st would be good going. Even though we didn't know what Zoom was <laughs> 15, <laughs> 16 months ago, I, I think it has come in handy in many ways, especially in a situation like that where you can get, you want to show a show a recruit, the Smith Center, you can show it not only to him, but to his whole family. Right. I mean, everybody, everybody across cousins, the country. Yeah, right. get, yeah. Whoever. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And and I think there's where Brett Bielema came prepared. He had an idea what to do. Right from the get-go. I mm-hmm. mean, from the start, he, he knew what he was doing that way. Now, maybe every coach is doing that, but I'm not sure they're doing it as efficiently as he is doing it. So he said they took the Zoom, they took the phone or whatever uh, apparatus they were using and moved around from coach to coach and place to place, and it sounds like a pretty cool, cool deal. So, again, it's probably – he has some advantages over every the other coach that took over here because he's got all those super seniors, and plus he's got – some recruiting inroads he can make, it, plus a transfer portal. That's a lot of things going on in his, his favor. So if you're ever going to have a good first year, this is set up for that. You mentioned the 10 or so players that changed position. Uh, that story was highlighted by Isaiah Williams right. moving to wide receiver. I don't know if we've talked about that since that actually happened last week, but uh, your thoughts on that? Well, it was kind of one of those things that had to happen mm-hmm. because he's not going to play quarterback. Uh, based on what I saw, what it, what people have seen, what people don't know, but um, he just did not have the throwing the accuracy as a, as a passer. He's a dynamic as an athlete, of course. He can run. He can. He's he's great out great athlete. So to me, that's a slot receiver, or a outside receiver, a guy that could be a really and think about him on reverses and literally. Plus, he can still throw passes as a as a receiver. So there's going to be a lot of options for Illinois in the fall. So he's a guy that every other team's going to have to worry about 
for like 10, 10 different ways. I might even use them as a returner because these guys are ready to do this, uh, starters as as uh, special teams guys. So why not? But yeah, it's a big deal. I think it was a good decision by him. I think it was smart by the coaching staff. To, to, I don't know if they talked him into it, whatever happened. However, whatever worked out is the right thing. I got a feeling uh, that Brett Bielma is very decisive, very direct. And, yes. and we'll tell you what he thinks. Yes. As a head coach should. And it should be. And I think he probably told them, you can stay here and play quarterback, but you're not going to play. So that's pretty easy. That's, okay, let's see. Do I want to not play quarterback or play receiver and help the team? Most guys, I mean, I'd say almost all guys would say, I'll help the team. Because I've seen it before in the past, and there's endless examples of guys who moved positions, made a difference for Illinois, I think. He has a chance to be not just a good player. He could be a great receiver, potentially. And think about his long-term future. He's not going to play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I guess Kyler Murray is not very big. But this guy, Kyler Murray has a great arm. And no question he's accurate and all that. But maybe they're the same size. But other, the size is a problem. The accuracy is a problem. He was not going to play in the NFL. But he could play receiver in the NFL. No question. It's 5.43, Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. We've got more for you. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. And we're back with more after this. Welcome back to the show at 5.46, Monday Night Sports Talk, until 6. That number you ask, 217-356-9397. We've talked Illinois basketball. we talked some Illinois football. Chat about some baseball and golf and whatever else might be on your mind. But uh, in women's golf, the NCAA tournament is underwear, underway. <laughs> Over in Just keep Col- going, Steve. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going down quick. <laughs> Over in Columbus, where uh, the Illini are seated 11th in that event, and they're tied for ninth after the first round. They were nine over par today. Oklahoma. Leads that. That's the women's NCAA regional play in Columbus. The men's golf team is seated number two in the Stillwater, Oklahoma regional that starts a week from today. They'll play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Illini, the number two seed, as I mentioned, behind Oklahoma State. Yesterday on the Champions Tour, I watched with interest as they played the first major of the season on that tour, and Steve Stricker had a three shot lead on the front nine there, then lost it and fell behind and then got it back, made a birdie on the last hole to force a playoff and then lost it in the playoff to Alex Chetka, who was making just his third Champions Tour start. He's just turned 50 in the last eight months or so, but uh, Stricker finishes second in that. But it's always fun to watch Steve Stricker play golf. Yeah, it is, and and he seems to always be in contention uh, with each and every Champions Tour uh, event that he's at, and I know he's in the the PGA Championship field uh, that starts uh, next week for the the second major uh, of the year, and obviously he'll be in the news a lot uh, this fall with uh, the Ryder Cup being back in the States up in Wisconsin, so always just... uh, a steady presence uh, on the golf circuit and representing Illinois each and every turn. Another Illini golf note, Scott Ritchie has just found. Yeah, Michael Fiegel's played in a U.S. Open local qualifier today in Alton, Missouri, and was co-medalist, shot of 368. Good news for Michael Fiegel's as he uh, not only is getting set for the NCAA, he's 
playing in U.S. Open qualifiers as well. So uh, there'll be some other Illini guys doing that along the way, I'm sure. So that's the uh, golf update, uh, men's tennis on the way to Orlando. So what have you done for me lately? You've won 19 <laughs> in a row. Now you've got to play the number one team in the country. Yeah, and Florida, uh, it's going to be a tough out I mean, for Illinois. But, you know, I covered the first two rounds uh, the, over the weekend at you know, Con Outdoor Tennis Complex. And talking with you know, Alex Kovacevic after the second-round victory against Notre Dame. And uh, Florida had not beaten South Florida at that point where but – yeah, Kova was like, well, we've got Florida in the Sweet 16. He was pretty <laughs> certain it was going to happen. But he said that like the way they played Saturday to beat Notre Dame, the way they've been playing for a couple months now with that winning streak you mentioned, that they felt confident, you know, pretty confident going into the Sweet 16, even you know, up against the number one team in the country. Well, they're definitely on a roll with a 19-match winning streak. Ohio State is mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah, it's just uh, just a testament to, to to what Brad Dancer has continued throughout his time as the Illinois coach, and just really picking up where where Craig Tiley left it off, and and they're a perennial NCAA tournament team, capable of of going on a run, and uh, would not be surprised in the slightest if next Monday night when they uh, when they face off against Florida, except for for six p.m., there's eight matches. Uh, next Monday in in the round of 16 or the Sweet 16, whatever you want to call it, uh, down in Orlando, and, and they've got one of the later ones in the day, but would not be shocked at all if come next Monday night they, they knock off the Gators and are moving on to the national quarterfinals. Let's go to the phones, and Rob is with us on the line. Yeah, hi, Steve and Matt. I just want to call and get your opinion on the, the pool host deal if it happens. Are you for it or against it, bringing him back? Well, that's a good question. I've I don't know. Sentimentally, I've, uh, yes, but you can't you can't take uh, all that to the bank. And, uh, and the Cardinals right now are clicking along at twenty-one and fourteen, the best record in the National League. Would he be a a decent pinch hitting bat off the off the bench? Sure, but he was only hitting one ninety-eight mm-hmm. with California, but uh, or the uh, Los Angeles Angels. But that's <laughs> the one ninety-eight is about what Matt Carpenter's <laughs> hitting in a in a pinch hitter role too. So yeah, I don't know. I could see the the, the thing is Pujols has said he doesn't want mm-hmm. anything but an everyday role. Well, he, I don't think he's going to get that. No, I think he'd be hard pressed. Uh, if you look around the league to, to where he could, could get an everyday role uh, right now. I mean, he's the oldest player in, in baseball, which is just weird to think about in, in a sense too. But uh, you know, I know Tony Russo shot it down this past Friday that, that there's going to be no reunion on the south side of Chicago between him and Pujols with the White Sox because there just isn't a role for him right there. And uh, it, you, if he does land on a team, uh, you'd have to think it'd be more as a DH pinch hitting role. And, and obviously now in the National League, it's it's coming, I think. Maybe he's early as next season, the DH will be in, in the National League full-time, but this season it's not. And uh, I know his salary wouldn't be too beneficial because the Angels have to pay that exorbitant amount, and, and I think he'd come in at the uh, the minimum salary uh, for whatever team would pick him up. But uh, at the Cardinals, at least, you've got Paul Goldschmidt at first base. You don't want to take a bats away from him at all. And when he does get a rare day off there, maybe you throw Matt Carpenter into the mix there. So I don't really know where Pools would fit there. Uh, on the Cardinals, sure, from a sentimental standpoint, it'd be great to see him you know, back in, in uniform with the birds on the bat. 
uh, on the front of the chest and, and maybe it comes off at the end of the season where Pujols decides to, to hang it up. Maybe the Cardinals sign him to kind of a yeah. a one-year deal. I mean, it's weird, too, in the mm-hmm. sense that he's he spent half of his career in Anaheim. But when you think of Albert Pujols, I think the first team you think of, despite all of his accomplishments with the Angels, you know, his, his historic home runs with the Angels, has collected his 3,000th hit in yeah. the Angels uniform. But when you think of... Albert Pujols in his prime where he was just the machine that he was. It was it was when he was in St. Louis. Yeah, he had all the milestones while with the Angels but had his 10 best years in St. Louis. What do you think, Rob? Well, I yeah, I just think that, unfortunately, what really bothers me about the whole deal is that if he would have stayed in St. Louis, he would have been, in my opinion, would have been the only thing that would even been comparable to staying the man. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think he would have been the man. That bothers me. It bothers me to the fact that the Cardinals did not lowball him on money. I mean, it was mm-hmm. the same amount. Years were different. And um, and at this point, you're already paying Carpenter basically to do anything, nothing. I just don't think you can <laughs> pay another pay another salary just to sit around like that. But it bothers me with Albert because Albert would have been your next, I mean, the closest thing mm-hmm. to Musial if he would have stuck it out. And no doubt he was... He was he was just a phenomenal player for ten years with the Cardinals when he played. There was and that that kind of it bothers me, but it is what it is. But like I said, I don't think you can bring him back either. And with the money and everything, and paying a couple guys to not do much of anything. So anyway, I appreciate it. I just thought I'd give you a call and see what you thought about it. Yeah, appreciate the call. Thanks, Rob. Okay, thank you guys. Take care. Bye. It is five fifty-three. How are your Braves doing, Bob? You need. Jump in here and tell us we're about okay. that. We're okay. We're uh, okay. Big win. We're Saturday okay. Night. You like that? We <laughs> big big him win. And Freddie, night. Him, him and Freddie Freeman just uh, just leading the team. Big win Saturday night. Okay. Down twice after the ninth, and one we came back, won the game. One of the greatest wins I've ever seen for them. So it was great. Well, the Cardinals had uh, they just completed. They've got a day off today. Their first day off in seventeen days. They had seventeen games in seventeen days. And they went on a 13-4 and run during that time. They are 21-14 and now. And uh, the Cubs are 17-17. and The White Sox in first place as well. They're 19-13. and All three of those teams are not playing on this Monday. Yeah, Tony LaRusse has brought that Cardinals devil magic to the south side of, of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's paying off. I know it was a, a move that was widely panned and, and criticized last fall, but... The guy lives, eat, and, eats, and breathes baseball, and uh, so far the White Sox are, are playing well. You take one final break on uh, tonight's Monday Night Sports Talk. We'll do that and be back with more after this. A couple of minutes left on Monday Night Sports Talk. Steve Kelly with the Sports Guys of the News Gazette, led by sports editor Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, and Bob Oswesson. What you boys working on this week? It's a good question, Steve. Got a got a lot of coverage coming tomorrow on Parkland softball. Uh, the Cobras are going to the national tournament for the first time since 2012 after a, a big win today over uh, in their home field there off off Mattis Avenue. Scott's going to kind of take a deep dive into Illinois men's basketball, hoping to bring back our uh, Sunday off-season basketball page this week, and he's also going to take a deep dive too into. Men's tennis, Bob's got some uh, football columns coming down the pipe. Uh, Big Ten Outdoor Track and Field Championships are in Champaign Friday through Sunday over at Demersion Park. So Bob's going to 
write about that as well and uh, also kind of preview some some men's golf at some point this week too before they go down to Stillwater for the, the NCAA regionals. So that's yep. kind of on our smorgasbord of items to, to hit this week. I'm guessing that uh, fans will not be welcome or not be a permitted. I guess yeah, don't they'd be know. welcome. But they'd no. be welcome. <laughs> and Scott can probably speak to this more about tennis this past weekend. How was that set up over at, at Con? Uh, it was... Was it limited? It was limited, and I think... It had to be invited. Each, yeah, like, you had to be on a pass list. I think each, a double secret probation pass yeah, list. Yeah, each player, I think, got you know, maybe four people that they hmm. could and they could bring. Um, the entire Illinois men's golf team showed up on, on Saturday. Or, I mean, I think the, most of them were there, but um, those two teams are, are pretty close, so... Yeah, a f- handful, smattering of fans maybe like for the, the Big Ten championships, but uh, getting closer, hopefully, to where fans can start showing up again. We hope so as well. Bob, appreciate your time. Good Thanks to see you. Sir. Good to see you. Matt, Scott, talk to you next week. Sounds good, Steve. Keep right here on work. News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to Ed Bond as well. And we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon right here on DWS. DWS.